Principal Matters Podcast, episode 164. There's a stretch of road between Oklahoma City and Tulsa, the Turner Turnpike, I-44, that runs east back to the neighborhood where I live. And for about an hour and 45 minutes, I sit on the stretch of highway and watch as the white stripes pass under my car and as the concrete spreads before me and behind me and other cars and motorcycles and semi-trucks do their work of travel, I think. And sometimes I listen to podcasts and sometimes audiobooks and sometimes I pray and sometimes it's just the news on the radio or sometimes it's music and I sing. But today I'm reflecting. And it's been a long time since I've done an episode on the road. So today you're listening to Will Parker, host of Principal Matters Podcast, reflecting with you as I take a road trip. And I wanted to reflect as I'm driving safely, my hands on the wheel, and talking into this mic that I hope you can hear. Because today I had the opportunity to spend the day with one of my colleagues, Dr. Gracie Branch, who's the executive director for the Oklahoma Elementary Association of School Principals. And Together, as I lead the Secondary Principals Association for Oklahoma, we were able to spend the day with a group of 43 new principals. And one of my greatest joys in the work that I do is connecting, exploring, learning, reflecting with school leaders, especially those who are stepping in to this journey because their interests, their passions, and their conflicts are ones that resonate with me because of the experiences I've had in my work. And so I just wanted to reflect as I'm driving on some things that might be helpful for you in your work if you're a new leader, but also might be helpful for you to reflect on if you're a seasoned leader, because sometimes it's good for us to think back to the essential things that are helpful. We spent our morning talking about culture and how culture is the bedrock of all of the important aspects of your learning environment, your instructional environment, your behavioral environment, the community building that you do, the feeling that's created when people are in your building, when students are learning. Culture's both intangible and tangible, but it's the ground, it's the bed in which you cultivate all of those other things that are so important about school. So whatever outcomes that you have this year for academics, or for behavior, or for whatever goals you've set for yourself and your teachers and your staff, none of those are possible unless the culture that you've created is a positive one where people feel trusted, they feel safe, they feel empowered, where they can experiment, where they can fail and be supported, and where they're not held to an expectation of perfection, but they are encouraged to be their best. And so doing... Uh, creating that kind of culture requires a lot of intentionality and work. And so some of the things that we talked about also were reflected in a resource that we're using from one of my favorite authors uh, who helped co-host this show for 15 episodes this past year, Jen Schwanke's book, You're the Principal, Now What? And so I want to give a big shout out to Jen and ASCD for that resource. 
because Jen talks about in her chapter on culture the importance of gauging your past, which means understanding the history of the school that you're leading so that you respect and honor those who've come before you and those who are there now, and so that you understand the context that you're serving in, and not just gauging the past, but also building from the ground up because you're a new leader, and so you're going to have to build often new expectations, new goals, new relationships, new procedures that are your own as a leader, and that takes time. And so the importance of building from the ground up means that you show appreciation, that you're present, that you're visible, that you are strong in communication, and then maintaining momentum and knowing that once you have got that ball rolling, once you have school be launched for the year, how are you maintaining momentum? Because it's diff- it's easy to begin, but it's not always easy to end as strongly as you have begun. And so I just want to encourage you this week as you're thinking about your school year, when you think about culture, um, how are you reflecting with your staff on what has happened before so that you have context for how you're leading? How are you focusing on building goals together that you're sharing in leadership with those around you? And then how are you maintaining momentum on those things that matter most for you in your students and schools and communities? I also just wanted to reflect for a second on a question that a principal asked at the end of the day when we broke into secondary and elementary groups. And this principal was asking a question that there's no easy answer to, but here's the question, which was, how do I best organize my day so that I can actually accomplish goals without simply putting out fires all day long. And I know every principal listening to this right now can relate to that quandary and that that difficulty and that tension. And here's the conversation that we had together as a group. So just some reminders. First of all, I think it's really important that you understand the difference between urgent and important because everything, it seems like, in school is urgent. There are always going to be things that need to be put out. And some of those urgent things are important. If you've got a student who's unsafe, if you've got a situation that needs to be addressed that involves activities that could jeopardize your school's safety, you you have to address those things. No matter what else is on your calendar, those are important moments where your presence is needed, and that is an urgent and important moment. Sometimes there are things that are urgent, but not necessarily as important as other things. And that's where I think it's really important, and we talked about this, that you step into your school year understanding that the urgent and the important are going to constantly be pulling at you for attention. So how are you chunking your calendar with those tasks and priorities that you know ahead of time should remain important, whatever is happening in school? It doesn't mean that you can always get to them, but you already have them on your calendar. And let me give you an example. At the beginning of every school year, you have teachers staff who need to be observed and evaluated. You need to be spending time in instructional leadership by being in classrooms. And for most school leaders, they know that that's an important priority going into the school year. And yet it's often the first thing that is trimmed from the day when something urgent is happening. So at the beginning of every year, I would sit down in the summer with my administrative staff. And I was in a school where I had administrative assistants and we would divide out the evaluations and observations that we were going to do that year. And I would take my group of persons for whom I was responsible for and create a calendar. And each of us did this, but I would create a calendar where I was able to pace myself 
so that I knew that every week I had to be in at least two teachers' classrooms for formal observations and evaluations. And that just happened to be the number that I needed to be able to meet my goals by the end of the fall semester and the early spring. And so I would create a calendar at the beginning of the summer that reflected each set of teachers that I was going to be seeing each week of school. Now, I didn't say what day I was going to be in their classroom. They were just on that week as my priority teachers whose classrooms I needed to see. And I would send that out as an Excel document with dates on the left, teachers on the right columns, so that they could see whose classrooms Will was going to be in for those ranges of each week of the school year. And as I went into my school year, that means that I would open my calendar as I'm getting ready to step into the coming week. I could identify, oh yeah, these are the two teachers that I'm prioritizing this week. So I could send them an email. I could say, listen, this is my week to come into your room next week. Please share some times with me that are going to be good times that seeing instruction would be helpful for you and for me. And we would juggle our schedules till I could find some good times where I could be in the rooms. That meant when I stepped into that week, I already had my biggest priority, which was instructional leadership focused on the two teachers that I wanted to see. And that didn't mean I'm not still doing walkthroughs or seeing every student, every teacher every day. It just meant that I'm trying to prioritize in ahead of time, chunking who I want to see those, that coming week. So that inevitably, if I stepped into a day and there was a situation that still required my attention, or maybe there was a situation that was criminally involved, police involved, a, a situation that was student discipline related or a parent con conversation that I needed to have, all those other things that were going to inevitably happen, I would try to, first of all, see if I could schedule those urgent things around the fact that I was going to be in teacher's classrooms. And if there was something happening like a, an intruder drill or something that was impossible for me to still see teachers for that time, then I could reach back to them and say, I'm sorry, but today we had an intruder drill that I had to conduct. And so can I reschedule? But by chunking those important things in advance into my schedule, and I included in my schedule every week, my PLC teams that I was going to be trying to see in subject matters that I specifically supervised, the leadership teams that I tried to pull together for frequent uh, meetings at different times each month, the student leadership group that I wanted to meet with that week or every other week. And so if you chunk those important meetings into your schedule in advance, it doesn't mean that you're going to be able to accomplish every one of those meetings and opportunities, but it does mean that it's already a priority when you step into your week. So you're juggling all of those fires that you're putting out around those things already embedded into your schedule. And here's what you'll discover if you do that. You'll be surprised how much you can actually accomplish because it's already prioritized for you on your schedule and how you can begin to adjust and massage those other things that have to happen in the day around those. And some days everything gets wiped right off the schedule because there's something that happens that requires your full attention. Maybe you've got students in possession of something really dangerous on your campus and now you've got police presence and you've got to deal with it. But by chunking those important things in advance on your schedule, you've already prioritized what matters most. And so I just want to encourage you as you're thinking about that feeling of being overwhelmed, how am I ever going to get this done? It's also important in early school leadership to realize that that feeling of being overwhelmed and not knowing the difference between what's urgent and important is just normal. But over time, you begin to figure out what's more important and what's more urgent and important. And over time, you begin to be able to prioritize so that history helps. So a year under your belt means that that next year you've had some context and experience for which things really do matter most, which rich report really does require more attention and time than something that might just take a few minutes. 
And so I think it's super important to consider that. Uh, there was also a, a conversation that we had today that is a really difficult one for leaders to manage, and that is how do you manage the situations in your school with um, student crisis, specifically suicides? And I don't want to pretend for a minute like there's a quick fix answer to those kinds of scenarios, but I do want to just reflect on that for a minute from some things that were said among principals in that meeting that I thought were helpful for others and maybe helpful for you. Uh, First of all, I think it's important that you have a culture that encourages kids to ask for help, which means that you are providing context for students and teachers where they feel safe to ask for help, where they have people available to them who can provide them space for listening. And I know some schools have more resources than others. If you have the opportunity to invest in good counselors in your school or someone who's a student advocate, I know some districts that are using student advocates now so that students have specific people they can go to when they need help or just need to talk or maybe they need therapy. We've done contracts in the previous schools that I served in with outside therapists who we could contract with to come in and be available to our students. Some of them receive their funding through Sooner Care, and so if a kid is in a low-income situation, he or she might qualify to see that therapist, and they get reimbursed through Sooner Care, which is Oklahoma's department that provides assistance to families in need. And so it's important that you create a structure where you anticipate the kinds of resources and supports that kids are going to need because they need it. I was just listening last week to Tim Elmore and Andrew McPeak, two of my favorite authors and writers and leader podcasters on the Growing Leaders podcast. And Tim and Andrew were talking about their newest book that they're publishing this fall called Gen Z Unfiltered. And I highly encourage you to go to growingleaders.com and check out Gen Z Unfiltered. You can pre-order it and it comes with a lot of other resources, including an audiobook version. But in that research, Tim and Andrew discussed the fact that this generation of students that we're serving right now have the highest levels of anxiety and depression and suicide of any other generation that's ever existed in American history. And there's a lot of conditions that create those moments. There's a lot of cause and effect that we could discuss. But but the reality is it's the circumstance that we live in as school leaders that we have students in our buildings who are consistently in situations where they feel in crisis, where they feel alone, where they feel desperate. And so creating an environment where you, first of all, have a mindset among, in your own mind and the, the staff that you serve students with as well, being able to have the mindset of understanding that we have kids in crisis so that we create environments where they can be nourished and listened to and where we can create interventions for them is, is super important. And of course, that leads to another conversation, it seems, lately that I've had consistently, which is what do we do with students that are coming from trauma situations? Because often those kids have a need for a resource that may be deeper than a kid who's not coming out of an unstable environment. And so it's really important that teachers and school leaders understand a trauma-informed perspective as well. So having resources available is, is one step. And then I think a second step too is making sure that as we are focused on the academic the standards-based, the competency-based work that we're doing, that we're also focused on the hearts of our kids. And so that's why I think that there are some great resources available. I'm a big fan of, of Tim Elmore's Habitudes series, which is a series of books that Growing Leaders has created that provide an image 
with a lesson and a conversation starter that you can have with students consistently about things like character, things like prioritizing values that that they need to consider, those timeless things like respect and hard work, um, how to deal with anxiety, those, those kinds of issues that they're often thinking about, but they don't often have the platform or the context for conversations about. And um, one of the principles in uh, our conversations today is using a curriculum called Learning for Living. And I have not used that, but he highly commended it as something that his school's been doing as a way to work with kids and, and give them some, some guided resources that help them think through those as well. Today, as we were wrapping up our conversation with new principals, we circled up and went around the room and asked each of them to just share one thing that they considered to be a takeaway, something that uh, as they leave today, I will be thinking about. And uh, here were some of the comments that were made that were really encouraging to me. And one of the comments that was said more than once was, it is really encouraging to know that I'm not alone in my leadership that there are other people just like me across this state who have the same struggles, challenges, and context that I do in my school, no matter what size it is. And, and I was so encouraged by that comment because I think about you, Principal Matters listeners, uh, friends of mine who are across the U.S. and the world, and all of us have in common this mission of trying to create places, communities for students to learn. So it was encouraging me to, for me to hear that. Um, There were some other practical takeaways. Uh, Teachers or principals shared very practical things that they do to show appreciation to their teachers, ways that they provide kudos and feedback to them. I'll just give you a couple of examples. One teacher said that they put a, they've created these door hangers that have options on them, kind of like you would if you were at a resort or someplace where you could do room service. And so they, they create these door hangers that once a month they hang on a teacher's door and it allows the teacher to look at the door hanger and just check off something you would like to make your day better. Maybe it's a sonic drink or maybe it's a, a snack um, and you could write in what kind of snack you like or maybe it's covering my class for 10 minutes or 15 minutes so that I can take a break. And so they make this list of things on the door hanger, put it on the door, teachers fill those things out and they go pick them up And over the next few weeks, uh, they try to make sure that they've met the need of each teacher. What's something that they've asked for? They go and buy that candy bar or they schedule a time where they can cover a class. And I thought, what a creative way to allow teachers to reflect back to you what what ways they want to be appreciated. It reminds me of, of some videos I've been seeing on social media recently of teachers who stand at their doorways and they have a sign by the door of options for kids to choose from of how they want to be greeted. Do they want a hug? Do they want a high five? Do they want to dance in front of the teacher? And so it is so beautiful to watch these children walking up to their teachers, pointing at what they want, and then that teacher responds to them with that form of appreciation before they walk into their rooms. So how can we be thinking creatively about how to show appreciation to the teachers that we're working with, the people that we're working with, so that they know that what they do matters to us? And then finally, I, I want to just reflect on some other comments that I heard principals making today that I just think are such good reminders for all of us. And that is the importance of remembering that our personal lives are just as and often more important 
than our professional lives. And even though all of us are committed to the profession that we have of improving schools, serving students and teachers and communities, if you have people in your life that you value through relationships that all of us do, whether that's family members or partners, or maybe it's your faith community, what, whoever those people are in your life that are those meaningful relationships that you turn to and need outside of school, they re- require and they deserve the kind of investment that you're giving to your school. And that's easy to, to say, but it's hard to do. And I had a conversation with the principal on our way out today who was just telling me that, you know, she was reflecting today on how much time she's been pouring into her school and how much she's realizing that she's not been able to pour that kind of time into her children when she's home because she has such a hard time disconnecting from work when she's at her home. And she's made it a goal as she steps into the next these next few weeks to be investing in being present at home. And as we talked about that together, it just reminded me, and I wanted to remind you about this too, that when you take time to invest in those important relationships, whether that's your spouse or your children or a partner or someone else in your life that's important to you, investing in those personal relationships, including your own self-care, actually provide you with more perspective and context and energy and inspiration to serve your school. So they go hand in hand. Often we, we neglect the things that we want to do or that are good for us or good for our relationships because we feel like it's selfish. And I just want to remind you that it's actually better for your school when you're taking care of yourself and your relationships. And let me just give you some examples. If you're taking time for good nutrition, if you're exercising, if you're taking time to reflect, meditate, or pray, if you're taking time to sit across the table from someone you love and listen and share a moment and be in the moment, then you're going to be finding yourself more inspired, more creative, and I believe more able to solve problems and serve others with perspective and with inspiration and creativity because of it. And so as you go into this week, I hope these reflections that I've just had with you have been helpful in some way, whether that's the way you organize and chunk your day, whether that's the kind of culture and environment that you create for kids that are folks that may feel like they're in crisis, whether that's the habits that you have for your own lifestyle, personal and professional, all of those things influence how you lead. So I hope that's helpful. As I'm driving this long stretch and wanting an opportunity to reflect with you, and I'm on the road a lot uh, over the next several weeks, so this was the best way I could think of of capturing my thoughts for an upcoming podcast. I hope that you're having a great start to your school year for those of you that are starting and for those of you that are in the middle of your school year that are on the other side of the globe. Wherever you are in your school year, thank you that every day you're serving students, serving communities, and that you are doing what matters. And I'll talk to you soon. Also, I just want to give a quick heads up to those of you that are, are interested in joining a mastermind. Did you hear that little blinker go there? For those of you that are interested in joining a mastermind, I have opened up applications for a mastermind community on my website, and you can find that at williamdparker.com mastermind. This is an opportunity for you to join a group of other like-minded leaders with high expectations who want to share best practices, study leadership concepts and books together, have hot seat moments where you're sharing your most crucial situations and getting feedback from other experts and together pushing towards shared growth. If you're interested in that kind of community involvement, then check out 
check out the application of our website, or you can reach out to me by email at williamdparker.com. Thanks, and hope to hear from you soon. If you'd like other free resources like this one, you can check out all my posts at williamdparker.com. Thank you.